Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad, because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros and I am your host today. Thanks so much for finding some time out of your busy day to spend with me. I'm always honored. I say time is that one commodity that you just can't get back. So when someone spends time with you, be grateful because they'll never get that time back again. So today I want to talk a little bit about maybe some of the legal aspects of franchising. I recently read an article. The title of it was, is having the franchise disclosure document reviewed by an attorney required? The article said there's no requirements that you hire an attorney to review the FDD on your behalf. However, it is highly recommended that you are fully informed about the franchise relationship and the obligation you and the franchisor will have under the franchise agreement prior to signing. And that's the key word there, folks. You want to have this reviewed prior to signing. So my guest today is Skylar Rydell. He is the founder of Rydell Law Firm. He has a passion for helping businesses thrive and assisting owners to reach their full potential. His firm embodies the values that he finds important in any business relationship, accessibility, efficiency, and dependability. So please help me in welcoming Skylar to the show. Skylar, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Linda. I really appreciate you having me. Excited to uh, chat with you about franchising. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Skylar, so many times people think, oh, the franchisor has done all the legal stuff and they've been doing this for years, so I guess I'm good. So we'll get to talking <laughs> a little bit more about how that could be the downfall uh, for them. Oh, yeah. But uh, tell me, Skylar, a little something about your background and what led you to, into uh, the legal field and um, and and you focusing franchises? Sure, sure. So that's uh, that's a big question, obviously. You know, where mm-hmm. how you get here and where you going? Um, but I'll share a little bit. Um, so I grew up in Texas, and yeah, I still I still live in Texas. Um, and I went to college. I went to university in a little town called Huntsville, Texas, and it is unique for two big things: the university that's there, obviously. And the other being that that is where we execute people. Um, and it is very, very strange. You know, there's, there's a couple paths in life you can take, and a lot of them lead to that to a place like Huntsville. <laughs> You're going to be mm-hmm. one or the other, one side of the town mm-hmm. or the other. And I was there, and I, I became involved in uh, a prison ministry there and really had a passion for helping people, and, and in particular with, with people coming out of the, of the prison system and exiting and finding their path and their way in life. And that, honestly, that is what drove me to think about law school. I had no desire to do it before, 
Um, but I realized I, I could help people, and there's a lot of help to be had out there. Um, so I gave it a shot, got in, and, and really, you know, jumped in with both feet in law school. Uh, I worked as a public defender while in law school. Um, I, I quickly learned my forte is not in the courtroom. <laughs> you know, uh, there it's a very specific type of, of individual that can that can hang in the courtroom. And then judges are there, you know, they have their own little fiefdom and kingdoms there that uh, make it uh, make it a whole new ball game, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it wasn't quite for me. So I realized, hey, how can I help people without being in the courtroom, right? And realize, well, there are a lot of small businesses out there, and even medium-sized businesses, who don't have access to good attorneys. And good mm-hmm. attorneys being, you know, specialists, right, experts in business mm-hmm. and experts in contracting and, and representing small businesses. So that is what I set out to uh, to be, and um, that's what drives me every day. And in particular, the, the, the area that I help folks in, in small businesses, medium businesses, is in franchising. Um, in my other, so that's my primary practice area. My other practice area is international trade, so a little, do a little bit of both, but um, – you know, for all purposes here, we're talking about franchise, and that's where I help folks. And, um, yeah, that, that's how I jumped into it. Uh, when I graduated, I opened up my firm and uh, was mentored by a franchise attorney. Um, in, uh, you know, we, ha- we have franchise lawyers groups and um, really great ones that you can join and, and participate in and, and connect with other attorneys. So was mentored in, in franchise law for a couple of years and learn the ropes, and uh, just have been taking it from there. <laughs> so mm-hmm. really enjoy it. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things, Skylar, that I get asked by some of my clients as a consultant, uh, when I mention to them about having the FDD, the Franchise Disclosure Document, reviewed by an attorney, they'll say, oh, you know, my nephew's an attorney. And I said, well, what kind yeah. of attorney is he? Well, he, he, it's mostly just divorce attorney. But, but, you know, a document's a document, right, Linda? But it's not, is it? Yeah. It's really yep. important that you pick out, that you know as a franchise attorney what those specific terms are, those, those important key pieces that need to be addressed and need to be looked at. So tell me a little bit about... What do you look for when you are presented an FDD to review? Yeah, absolutely. So, and you hit the nail on the head there. It's franchising as an industry has its own customs. We have our own terminology. Uh, you know, it, it's something as simple as a protected territory versus an exclusive territory. And franchising, those are very different things, uh, and they have legal significance behind it. Whereas in, uh, you know, in a lay contract or whatever, those can be used synonymously in our typical business contract. Those may mean the same thing. Um, so the little things like that, I'll just preface. Um, and, and so your question, uh, your question about w- what to look for, mm-hmm. huh, th- this is, uh, and I guess what we look for is the, is the, the right question. There's <laughs> a, a lot of things really, but the way we approach it is from an educational standpoint, right? Um, franchise whether you have seen contracts before you obviously probably people people sign leases and have seen things like um you know terms uh, whether it's a timeline things like that 
there are probably certainly things in the agreement in that franchise disclosure document or that franchise agreement that they're not familiar with. And what we try to do is we look for those things that you may not be familiar with and educate you about those terms. Mm -hmm. Those are going to be things, and typically those are things like the timelines. People may not be familiar with the timeline to open. I mean, you can read it and and get an idea of it, but do you really understand what that means? And Mm -hmm. uh, is there flexibility to it, things like that? Liquidated damages is always a huge one. Um, And I (laughs) I won't bore everybody with the whole legalese about it, but... If you don't know what that is, it is almost certainly in your franchise agreement, and you should take some time to learn it. <laughs> liquidated, mm-hmm. liquidated damages, the personal guarantee, of course, um, things like the non-compete, confidentiality, all of those are major terms, right, to that franchise agreement, and they are all very typical. There may be some different flavor of it that you'll see you know, from time to time in the industry, but they are ubiquitous across the industry and helping people understand what those are and understand what it means to them and their business and their future is what we do, right? Is, mm-hmm. is we walk them through that. And we help the, once we help the franchisee or potential franchisee understand that, then we can address what, how do we mitigate those risks, right? And I don't, we don't have to dig too much in the process right now, but that, that is the, that's really what we do, help them understand it, and once you understand it, why is it scary? And if it is scary to you, let's figure out how to how to make it less scary, right? How do we mitigate it? How do we fix it mm-hmm. and get you a mm-hmm. good deal? Yeah, definitely. You know, you're talking about some people just not knowing what some of those key pieces are in that FDD. Um, I, I, I have heard this story uh, told many times that there have been people to sign an FDD and not realize that it is for 10 years or five years or seven years. Some are longer now. Yeah. Oh, is that right? So, you know, you just (laughs) kind of think, how could you have missed that? How could you have missed that? Well, one of the reasons they missed it is to begin with, they probably didn't have it reviewed by an attorney because, you know, an attorney would have recapped all of that. Um, so it, you know, it, there, there are things that maybe the franchisor touches on during the interview, uh, during the whole validation process, but they don't really uh, express to the candidate how that impacts them. So yes, when, when, absolutely. when you're, and and that's exactly what you do is, you know, you're saying, okay, if this is in the FDD, then this is how that timeline is going to impact you. Is that right? Yep. Correct. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll give you a real quick example mm-hmm. of that. Um, this is probably a couple of years ago. And now at this point, I don't remember exactly. We had a, a, a franchise agreement and it was for 20 years. Um, wow. You know, and it wasn't, it, it might have been a multi unit if I remember correctly, but it was still a significant time. And the franchise, you know, our client, the potential franchisee, you know, definitely wanted to jump in the opportunity, saw the value of it, and didn't think a lot about the 20 years. But we sat down, we talked about it, and I go, so, and I had known this client um, just from our calls and, and chatting. I knew they had young children. I sat and I told them, I said, look, I know 20 years is. Uh, it doesn't seem like a lot, but think about it. You you have young children now. By the time you're up for renewal on this agreement, your kids are going to be grown and off to college. 
know? Mm-hmm. And I really, they mm-hmm. took pause at that and, and recognized how long that is, right? That's a, it could be a quarter of your life almost, right? Mm-hmm. Or a fifth mm-hmm. of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it certainly, it could have been the, uh, you know, it, I think they went ahead with the opportunity and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure they're doing fine because they haven't called back, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm sure they're doing all right. But taking the, taking that breath, right? And yeah. recognizing what you're reading is is very helpful. And sometimes it takes a professional, whether that's a consultant, whether that's an attorney, yeah. um, you know, or a business planner to help you just breathe, breathe yep. and read, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and like you said, it may not have changed their decision, but it make it made them take that pause to realize exactly what they were. Um, investing and that they're investing 20 years and that's important if they had plans to want to retire in 10 years then that might not have been the right concept for them yep or they Uh, wanted to move away or something exactly yeah exactly yeah yeah and because um with many of the franchises you mentioned territory so folks when when um Skylar's talking about a territory sometimes that is as specific as zip codes and yes. so that oh, yeah. means if you want to move whether it's across town to another city to another state you have those zip codes anchored in so you'd have to sell that yep. location and buy another territory. And people don't yep, understand that right. sometimes. <laughs> or commute, right. So yeah, sometimes that's fun. a big factor, isn't it, Skylar? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's little things like that. Um, yeah. the, the timelines, the territory, it gets very, very specific. Yeah. Uh, and even things like, the, I would say, the confidentiality. You know, people don't realize mm. how much you're supposed to retain and not tell people you can't go and tell your neighbors oh we got this great system this great computer algorithm mm-hmm. that that we beat our competition right or whatever mm-hmm. um things like little things like that or letting your employees have access to all of the um all of the operations manuals and then oops they take pictures of it on their phone right um right. you know and post it little things like that um can just really Throw a wrench in your plans, right? Or a wrench in sure. your business operations. And those, sure. are, those are the things that we obviously address, obviously, and, and, and point out to folks um, mm-hmm. and make them aware. that That's the key. And, again, it's not anything that, that people have to be – you don't have to go to a, a doctorate-level course or anything, but just being aware of it is the battle. Mm-hmm. You want mm-hmm. right? Being aware of it and understanding it is, is you winning. Sure. Now, Skylar, we've talked about some of those things that are pretty set in stone. You know, pretty much the yeah, yeah. the term, the 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 um, the uh, the territory. Um, but there are some things that are flexible, and you can negotiate. What are some of those items that you might be able to help a uh, prospective candidate negotiate? Sure, sure. So I will preface this with, with saying that this is highly dependent on the system itself. Right. And the way that I, I prime folks to understand whether it, it's flexible or not is to get get an idea for how mature that franchise system is. If it's a very mature system, some of the big boys we all know, whether it's Papa John's or Burger King or whatever, Taco Bell or something, obviously a lot less is negotiable, right, than right. if it's a startup. 
um, mm-hmm. and someone that, that is still kind of a mom and pop franchise that's growing and excited to bring people on and still flexible. So that's, that's where the first um, factor there is that maturity level of the franchisor. Uh, the next factor is really kind of a unknown, I guess, but it really depends on the, on our client, on our, our potential franchisee on what may be flexible and, and what, uh, the franchisor may consider if that potential franchisee is coming with significant experience, probably a little bit more is going to be flexible or if they have, you know, potentially a book of business or mm-hmm. a roots in their community, that is probably going to be a factor that we can lean on. Um, if the, if our potential, uh, franchisee or client has some, um, uh, is coming from a, an ancillary industry um, that, that where those skills transfer, those connections transfer. That's another factor that we could probably point to. Um, things like that that, that make it that gives put us in a better position, I would say, to negotiate. Now, specifically, what things may be flexible? The one, ones that I've identified with clients that are usually most pressing that we've worked on negotiating would be items like the startup um, timeline or the startup period, the opening right. date. There's a couple different phrases for it. Um, some are very strict. Some are more uh, nebulous, right? And it's some, not, not something that we always address, but I've had clients who were leaving corporate, for example, and wanted to take a, you know sabbatical or vacation for the summer before they – uh, came back and started something new, but they, of course, were going to sign the agreement before they left for vacation or whatever. But that clock starts ticking, right, <laughs> when you're on right. vacation. So obviously, we identify something like that, discuss with the franchise or and, and things like that is, is usually very simple um, mm-hmm. to address. So I would say opening timelines. Um, I would say territory. So the size of that territory is somewhat flexible, depending on how it's how it is determined. Some mm-hmm. some territories are going to be determined, for example, based on raw population. And mm-hmm. if your concept is not something that everybody in that population, you know, um, you know, I don't know, toddler to, to elderly would protect, would participate in, then I like to, to discuss with the franchisor and say, Hey, can, let's, let's trim down this, uh, this demographic a bit and make sure the size of the territory fits a demographic that will actually be participating. Um, if it's a home health care, obviously we don't want to place it where there is a significant bubble of youth population, right? Or vice versa, if it's a home, um, if it's like a child care um, franchise, we don't want to put that in somewhere where, where there's a bunch of nursing homes, right? Or, sure. or assisted living facilities. So things like that, it, it's, um, I know territory is usually touch and go depending on what it is and what it's based on, but Think those are things that we look at and try to identify whether there is flexibility based on how that territory is is structured versus the target demographic of that concept. Um, so those are two uh, the kind of easy ones, I guess, to start with. Um, the more difficult ones, I guess I'll, I'll throw one out there that's really difficult, but we have had success with franchisees, uh, franchisee clients. And that's this one will probably be shocked, but we have had success in negotiating personal guarantees. Um, wow! It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy, yeah. obviously. And it really, again, it's very fact specific. 
And the way that you can box in that personal guarantee is really what depends on how you can get it negotiated, you know, whether that's boxing it in by time or boxing in by amount or carving out specific other businesses that your, you know, our client may own. If they own a bunch of other businesses, obviously we, we can't personally guarantee other businesses, right, um, as opposed to the personal assets. So things like that. I mean, that, that one's always a fun one uh, to, to discuss, negotiate. But I will say it is, it's probably only one to a handful of times a year that we're able to get a lot of flexibility on that one. <laughs> but it's always something we talk about, right, with our clients. <laughs> sure, absolutely. You know, it and again, it's one of those things that people don't think about when they are come, when they're looking at the brochure version of that franchise. Yes. And now all of a sudden they have this stack of 250, 300 pages that's the FDD oh, that's yeah. the real thing right there. So, when someone is thinking about um looking at franchises, um, when should they contact you, Skylar? At what point? Is it when they finally receive that FDD, or when do you like to get involved? Good question. Um, I usually tell folks to call me whenever you are 90% sure that you want to join this system, right? Um we, sometimes folks will come to us with multiple concepts, and we can certainly review multiple concepts for them, but it's not usually very cost-effective for them to do all of that, uh, to have a full analysis. So I tell folks, you know, once you receive it, take some time with it, think about your questions you may have, and whenever you know that you want to explore this opportunity, uh, you just need to know the final details, right, the fine details, I guess, uh, of your obligations and, and what's expected of you, then give us a call. We'll educate you about those fine details and walk you through th that agreement and, and explain it to you in plain English. And then, you know, that will either take you all the way to, to 100%, right, to, be, to move forward, or you'll be prepared to sit down with the franchisor and ask some more tough questions of them <laughs> and, uh, mm -hmm. and get some more good answers. Uh, or it may back you off, right? You get that point where you really like it, but you recognize that the value there is somewhat challenged by what is in the franchise agreement, right? By some mm -hmm. some existing um, issues, perhaps, or whatever's there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good question. That's usually what I tell folks is call us towards the end of the process. We can certainly jump in sooner, but um, my experience with that is people, if they're not to that 90% threshold, they may right. end up, changing their mind or finding something else. And we don't, we don't want people to be wasting money on sure. reviewing stuff that they're not going to be considering, right? <laughs> so. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. I tell you what, Skylar, I need to take a quick commercial break, but I know that my listeners are like me. They like stories. Do you happen to have any stories you could share when we come back from break? Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. i got a couple short ones I can share with you, and uh, okay. some good ones, bad ones, maybe even an ugly one. <laughs> so. Okay, because they all exist, I am sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, folks, we're going to take a real quick commercial break. We'll be back with more from Skylar Riddell. 
Ready to update your tired old kitchen or bathroom? Then you need to call Gambone's Custom Home Improvements. Gambone's does all phases of remodeling, specializing in kitchen and bath remodels. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements is a company you can trust. Family owned and operated with an A-plus rating with a BBB. Call Gambone's today, 832-437-8898. Or check them out on the web at GamboneCHI.com. That's GamboneCHI.com. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements, where you will get quality work at a quality price. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros and my guest today is Skylar Rodell. And Skylar is talking about helping his clients that are looking at franchises, uh, how he helps them as an attorney um, to review the FDD and really make them aware of what they're signing into. So when we broke for commercial break, Skylar, you mentioned that you had some stories that you might be able to share with us, good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, so I'll start with, with a, a good one. And I, I picked this one because it, it's an example of even of, of when you have experts helping you, whether it's a consultant or an attorney, still take what they say with a grain of salt because we don't know everything, right? Even though we know a lot about franchising, um, there are some areas that will admittedly tell you, hey, this isn't something that, that I know or I could give you a good opinion on. Um, so I had a client, this was a potential franchisee, was looking into, and this was several years ago, um, I think when, this, when these concepts were getting hot, and it was the concept we were looking at with them was a trash hauling or junk hauling. Um, franchise uh, concept there you know they're all over now there's quite a few big names in the market out there these days this is when it was a lot smaller there weren't any in our metro area here in texas and you know i was helping with the legalese and i and and i i do a legal review right i help you understand the legal obligation and what those mean to you i am not a business uh, analyst although i tell you that i said look you, you can ask my opinion of it but i'm going to preface it and tell you look i, I don't know your specific market, I don't, under, I don't know that specific concept, um, you know, target demo and whatnot. So my opinion is very limited on that. And I, I told the client at this point, they asked me, what do you think about junk hauling and trash hauling? Um, and, you know, I grew up in a rural, rural area. I, you know, my, a lot of people in my family and friends have trucks. So it's like, well, I, I'm not sure why we would pay someone to move our junk. <laughs> we do it ourselves, right? Um, so I told I it said I'm not a business analyst, but it, it just doesn't 
it wouldn't resonate with me. I probably would never be a client. I would never really be a franchisee, but I, I could certainly see the opportunity. I get it. Um, and of course he moved forward with it. And, uh, you know, a, a handful of years later or less, I guess he, he acquired some more units in the metro area and really took off and has just been doing tremendously well with it. Uh, and it shocked me. I always remember thinking after that phone call, I'm like, man, I don't, Am, am I supposed to tell him? Am I supposed to be that business analyst and tell him this might be a bad idea? And, of course, no, I'm not because I'm not a business analyst. But it, it always worries me, right? And it should worry any consultant or analyst. What right. do you tell folks when they ask you that? Because um, they're investing and, a lot and, and so of money. That's a great example of you're investing yeah, exactly. a lot of money, right. and it's a huge responsibility. You know, uh, I feel the same way sometimes, Skylar, because I want to make sure that um, they know what their options are and they're making the best decisions. Um, yes. But I, I can certainly understand how you didn't see it because everybody yep. had a pickup oh, yeah. truck in the country. You know, <laughs> yeah. we, we all, exactly. but, I mean, yeah. even – even three men and a truck moving services would not do well yeah. in Huntsville, Texas. I get it. But, yeah. you know, yeah. you see them all the time on the freeway in Houston. So I certainly oh, yeah. understand that. Exactly. That's a great example. Great example. Yep. Just an example of, you know, take everything you hear with a grain of salt and, and, yep. and your experts may not be an expert in exactly what you're asking them. So just understand that. <laughs> and you can hit a home run despite your experts. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that's, a, that's an example of, of a, a good story. I guess I'll give you a, a, um, a bad one. And this one, so I, I guess this will kind of probably be an amalgamation of a few clients, but one of the – so whenever you're joining a new franchise system, you're probably going to need a physical space, right? A lot of them still are brick and mortar. Uh, and even if you're acquiring uh, an existing franchise unit, you're probably acquiring that lease with it, right? And that has become one of the really big sticking points that, that I've had with, um, with, acquire, with uh, acquisition, so acquiring an existing unit. That lease, and I think this is probably – universal in a lot of places right now, given the state of real estate and business and commercial real estate in particular, but there are a lot of really bad leases out there. And I say bad uh, in regards to the terms are just poor for right. the, uh, the, the leasee, the, the tenant there. And you as a franchisee have to step in whether that's a whether it's a distressed unit or not, but you have to step in and own that lease and make it work on that lease. And I've just I've had situations where um, I've had situations where I've been a bulldog on the phone for my client and really almost almost gotten into a shouting match, but not exactly right. Where I, I'm fighting for my client out there on a bad lease, and just nobody is willing to help us, whether it's the franchisor or the landlord or the subleasee or the previous franchisee. Um, and it's, it's, that's one of the things where sometimes I can see that train wreck happening. Um, and there's not much I can do to stop it. Right. So, um, yeah, so I've had a client in that position where, where I have just argued myself blue, uh, trying to work on the lease and get it changed. And of course, you know, you know, my, my, my client would move, move forward with, with it, um, just because they, they recognized the opportunity and felt it was best for them. But, uh, in, in this one particular instance I'm thinking about, it, it came back and bit them. And part of that being also the pandemic was a big yeah. factor. But the other part of it was that the lease was just not very good at all. 
Um, and then you go from a not very good lease to having a bad lease in a pandemic, and it just becomes a nightmare. Um, and, and you know, you bring up a you, you bring up a really good point there, Skylar, because it's not just the franchise disclosure document for those that require a brick and mortar. It is that brick and mortar, and yep. I have seen um, situations where the lease is what caused the franchisee to have to declare bankruptcy yes, because exactly. they absolutely would not let go. Yep. Yeah, I've seen it as well. And it's uh, in that particular instance where I'm, I'm referring to my client where I was arguing on the phone with landlords and franchisors. Uh, it, yeah, they ended up having to close because their lease is just so onerous. And it's really onerous in the middle of a pandemic um, that there was no flexibility at all, which is awful, terrible. But yeah, and and so I tell that story just because it's uh, it's some gives you a kind of a a warning of what to think about and what to look for, but also to remind you that there are other agreements besides the franchise agreement that are um, are tricky (laughs) to say the least. Absolutely. And, you know, some of the franchisors, they do a really good job at supporting their franchisees. There were some really large concepts out there that the week after the pandemic shut everything down, they redirected their team to start making phone calls and to renegotiate leases. So you probably There's saw that ones. as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and even the, even smaller franchise systems who don't have teams out there calling landlords, they you know they would they were all hands on deck trying to yeah. um, accommodate delivery. Yeah. There was a major steep learning curve for a lot of systems who didn't prioritize delivery before the pandemic to figure it yeah. out. And the the really good systems that supported their franchisees figured it out um, and yeah. did a tremendous job and grew sales. So, yeah, the pandemic, there's stories that will make you cry. There are stories that will probably make you laugh. But there is a lot of great stories out there, people coming together and helping each other, you know, even in the franchise industry on both sides mm-hmm. and yeah. um, being successful. So it, it is a it, it's a great, you know, you got to take it in a whole, right? Not everything's bad. Um, yeah. There's a lot of great examples of that and people who, who did tremendous work in their systems. Yeah. Definitely. So if someone's listening, we're getting close to the end of the show, Skylar, and if someone is listening and they'd like a little more information about you and your law firm, how would they find that out? Okay. So the best place, our website, RydellLawFirm.com, all one word, R-E-I-D-E-L, and then law firm, L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. And that's – from there, you, you'll find all of our details about how to reach us. You can always schedule a call from the website there. You can uh, get onto our secured messaging um, service there and even shoot us an email. So, yeah, I would point you there, RydellLawFirm.com, um, R-E-I-D-E-L. Very good. So we're down to those final three questions. And the first one is, if there is someone listening who's considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest that they do to prepare for the process? Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of different answers here, and I think I'll probably stick with the same theme, and that's to, to get an expert, right, or a couple experts to help you, whether that's a consultant, a franchise consultant or a business consultant or an attorney, 
um, or even a business planner or financial planner, get someone on your team and, and you know, someone to help you. Not any, nothing these days is done by yourself, really. You know, you've got to have a team and you've got to start building that team early on. Uh, and there's a lot of tremendous, you know, free resources out there, even for business planning. I, I always point folks to the uh, Small Business Development Centers, which is a service of our government. It's a service of the Commerce Department that helps people plan, helps people figure out, um, you know, how, to, how they can take their business to the next level or how they can start a business and take advantage of those resources out there and add folks to your team, add a good attorney, add a great consultant, whether it's franchising or business or whatever. Um, that, that would be my advice. Is it, it's a lot easier to go through that journey with the right team in place. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100% with that. So the second question is, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? So I thought about this, and I know a lot of folks would probably, the typical answers would probably be like determination and, you know, uh, the stick, sticking to it, right, things like that. I wanted to throw a curveball, and my two traits would be that I would recommend is skepticism and salesmanship. Uh, so skepticism, just because uh, any everything you read in your your sales brochures and what the franchise sales folks are telling you, be skeptical of it. It may be correct, it may be right, but think about it from an objective, a very skeptical perspective, and that will help you identify the right questions to ask. It'll help you identify maybe weak points that you can uh, you can shore up, right, or you can mitigate. It will it will help you in the long run. It'll it will take care of those nagging questions, right? If I'm doing the right thing, be skeptical, ask hard, tough questions, and you'll get to, uh, you'll get a lot more data and you'll get closer to the truth in my experience. Um, so skepticism would be one. The other being salesmanship. So this is probably coming from somewhat of a misconception, I think, in the franchise industry where you're buying a business in a box, which is true to some extent, but it's not a business in a box that you can sit and just wait for people to come to the door, right, or answer the phone uh, and start getting sales by and large. The big boys, obviously the names we all recognize, you can probably do that, right? If you put up a McDonald's, you probably don't need to advertise too much. But frankly, the vast majority of the franchise industry is not McDonald's. Um, they're not big names, and but in, there are great systems out there, but they may not have the brand recognition and the, the community uh, roots that, you would want to just be a, an absentee owner or someone who can just uh, sit back and relax and let it all come in. So salesmanship, regardless of what system you're in and what you're doing, get out there. Get out there and, and meet folks, um, make sales, and don't be scared to, to advertise, to get out there and, and bring folks in to tell people what you do and how you help them because mm -hmm. we're always looking. We're always looking for help and whatever, you know, um, whatever type of, of service or, or goods we need, we're always looking, and it's always great to be able to connect with that, that one system or that one concept that answers the questions we, we have or, or provides that sure. service. Sure. You know, one of the things that I tell the clients that I'm working with, Skylar, is just because you hang the brand, you hang the shingle out, doesn't mean that tomorrow morning you'll have a line of people wanting to do business yep. with you. It is still exactly. a business, and it is uh, – I don't care whether it's a franchise or an independent business. It is not yep. for the faint at heart. It is yep. work. Yep. 
So someone has to get the name out there. And sure, the franchisor does help to a degree with the marketing, but you have to get out into that community. There's no way around that. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So the final question here is, what does the future of franchising look like? So this this is a tough one. Um, I, I did think about this quite a bit, too. And I'll tell you, so from a legal perspective, uh, I my answer has to be it doesn't look very much different, unfortunately, from a legal perspective. Um, lawyers and laws and legal uh, things moves glacially slow. <laughs> so I know from, so from a lawyer's perspective, there's probably not a whole lot of change coming in franchise agreements and things like that. Um, so that's my first opinion. My second opinion in regards to the future of franchising is just there. there's going to be so much change besides the legal department um, that we, we probably won't recognize it in 20 or 30 or 40 years mm-hmm. uh, just in regards to the technology that's becoming available, um, you know, and, and the shift in consumer preferences and how, how nimble and quickly franchise systems and concepts have to adjust now is really – uh, it's really unprecedented to have to go from brick and mortar to being able to do online, now online plus delivery. Um, you know, next it might be having to take cryptos or something, you know, whatever yep. people start using that different ways. So yep. th- that, I guess that would be, what does the future look like? It looks like change. <laughs> Who knows yep. what that change is, but we're going to have to change and we're probably going to have to start changing faster than we really want to to make consumers happy. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you're you're right in that because when you when you look back, Skylar, 10 years ago, you know, if I had been thinking about a franchise, I would have probably thought about, you know, of course the typical McDonald's and Starbucks and, you know, pizza, the quick loop right? places, yeah. pizza. <laughs> now there are so many industries that are embracing the franchise business model that, yep. uh, and that's just been in a short period of time. Uh, Ten years yeah. in, in a business is a, sh- a relatively short period of time. So what's it going to be in five years? Like you said, it's going to speed yeah. up. The changes are going to happen yep. much quicker. Uh, it's going to be so, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Skylar, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today, and we're down to the wire. Uh, one more time, if someone's interested in reaching out to you, what's the best way for them to get information about you? Perfect. Website. Uh, reach out to us at RydellLawFirm.com, Rydell, R-E-I-D-E-L, LawFirm.com. Linda, thank you for having us. I really enjoyed Absolutely. it. And, um, you know, look forward to, to hopefully seeing you at some events in the future. And I Absolutely. hope uh, this has been valuable for your listeners. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Skylar. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with us. Thank you. Take care. So, folks, you know, what Skylar has done is he's kind of um, spotlighted the fact that you know, sometimes we don't really necessarily think it's important to get assistance, but we really can't do this alone. This is a journey. This is, uh, you need people to help you navigate through this. 
unless you've purchased a franchise before, and even that may have been a different experience, you need to have those people around you. As always, I'm going to leave you with this quote. Um, Wherever you see successful business, someone once made a courageous decision. And this is by Peter Drucker. He's a management consultant and an author. And that courageous decision, in my mind, and you heard uh, Skylar talk about identifying those people, and I've always called them trusted advisors. Get those people identified early on so that you have them in place when you get ready to make that courageous decision because you'll feel much braver if you have those experts in your back pocket. Folks, thanks so much for joining me today on All Things Franchising, and we'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.